Welcome to Answers from Antioch. You have joined us at the intersection of God's Word and today's world. This broadcast is brought to you by the Antioch Baptist Church in Bristol, Virginia. Join us as we examine information that impacts the church, the Christian, and the Christian home. Hello, everyone. Thanks so very much for tuning in today. I'm honored to be your guest, and we're happy to be here on this Sunday evening. Pastor Josh and I are very excited about this day. On this first Sunday in February, we begin our annual Jubilee service here at Antioch Baptist Church. What is Jubilee? Well, it's a fast-paced, high-impact meeting of restoration, reviving, refreshing. We have about a dozen speakers that will be speaking through today and Wednesday night, and I'm so excited about the meeting this year. We're praying for a true work of revival and restoration. Our church needs it. Our nation is desperate for it. And ladies and gentlemen, you and I can see that, I do believe, in our day. I truly think that our Lord wants to send this reviving, refreshing, restoring in our churches more than ever before. I know He wants to do it. If you and I are willing, repentance and faith are always the key to the movement of God on our behalf. And I do believe these two words go together, repentance and faith. And in repentance, we're going to look at that in just a moment because just this past week, January the 31st, was a national gathering for prayer and repentance there in Washington, D.C. Many senators and congressmen and even representatives from around the world met at that time for a time of prayer and repentance. So just this past Wednesday, January the 31st, the National Gathering for Prayer and Repentance took place there at the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. And I do believe that if we are a people that will repent, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. And so in this Jubilee meeting, it's our prayer as many of our sister churches will come together and help us in this meeting. We have area choirs that's coming to join with us and we'll form a Jubilee Choir during the week on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday as area choirs and choir leaders come to join in. We all have a desire for revival. I've not met one pastor who loves Jesus who is not truly wanting God to send a revival, a refreshing, a restoration to the churches in America. And yea, around the world. And I believe we can have it, my friend. Repentance and faith are the two things that always moves the heart of God. You won't find a place in Scripture, not one place in the 66 books of the Bible, 
where God did not move in response to repentance and faith. And I find God's the same God today as He's always been. There in that National Gathering for Prayer this past Wednesday, January the 31st, uh, there at the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C., repentance was mentioned over and over again. And they read again Proclamation 97. Now, what's Proclamation 97? Well, former President Abraham Lincoln uh, said these words, that America had become intoxicated with unbroken success. We've become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. We've become too proud to pray to the God that made us. And Proclamation 97 that President Abraham Lincoln issued said these words, It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. President Lincoln spoke these words in 1863 to establish a national day of humiliation is what it was called, or repentance, a national day of humiliation, repentance, fasting, and prayer. And ladies and gentlemen, we certainly need that today. And I believe if God's church, because they're the ones that needs reviving, they're the only ones that can have reviving. The lost world is dead, but revival, restoration, refreshing, restoring comes from those who have once been alive, but now find themselves in deadness and apathy. May the Lord help us in these days. We believe He will. That's what Jubilee is all about. Pastor Josh will say more about it and give times and many other things about this Jubilee meeting beginning today right here at Antioch. Begin this morning. We'll continue on. Pastor Josh will have much more to say about that in a moment. But let's look at repentance for just a moment. Uh, what is Bible repentance? Well, we say it's changing your mind. It's getting away from what you're in, turning back, turning away from. Uh, well, these are all truly good indications, I think, of repentance. Uh, but when you look in the Bible, the very first offering of repentance came in Genesis chapter number 3, and it was God who made that first move to have men repent. The first man and woman had sinned. Many of you listening, you know well the fall of man in Genesis chapter number 3. And both Adam and Eve sinned against God. They disobeyed. And we see that in the first seven verses. But then we see the Lord Jesus coming and he is offering repentance. Look at this. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Where art thou? He said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And then the Lord said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof 
I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat. And, of course, the man gives an excuse. The man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, and she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord said unto woman, What is this that thou hast done? Now, why did the Lord ask those questions? The Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Yahweh, the Lord, God, Elohim. What, what did the Lord God, why did he ask these questions? The reason is he was offering repentance. He was giving Adam and Eve every opportunity to agree with him and to confess, yes, Lord. We have sinned. We have disobeyed. God knew every answer to the question already. But why did he ask them to confess? Why did he give them this opportunity? Because here comes God offering repentance to Adam and Eve. Oh, if they had only taken him up on that repentance. If Adam had only been honest and said, Lord, I disobeyed, I did wrong. And if Eve had only said, Lord, I did wrong, I did this, yes, Lord, there would have been repentance, and the heart of God was moved. The heart of God was moved, and he offered repentance. So repentance is, first of all, the absolute agreement with what God is saying and who God is. Repentance is not only turning from and turning to the Lord Jesus, but it is in full agreement with what God says, with who He is. Uh, no wonder we quote so often the verse I've already quoted, that if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves, humiliation, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, notice that, seek my face, turn to me in agreement with me, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. So repentance is fully agreeing with God about yourself and your situation. And he offers repentance. I often call this situation the second sin. The first sin was disobedience. The second sin was re excuses and refusal to repent. When God is offering repentance by asking these questions, Where art thou, Adam? And the Lord, and Adam, of course, answers, and he said, uh, I was naked, and I hid myself. Then the Lord asked another question. Who told you that thou was naked? Uh, have you eat of the tree, which I commanded thee not to eat? You see our Lord encouraging repentance in every way, form, and fashion, yet man's heart is desperately wicked. Oh, if Grandfather Adam had just agreed with God and said, Lord, you're correct, Yes, Lord, we've done exactly what you said. If Grandmother Eve had said, Yes, Lord, I've done exactly what you said. I have, Lord. I've disobeyed you. I've eaten the tree. And, Lord, we confess it. Guess what? Our God would have moved in such a way in repentance. Ladies and gentlemen, moves the heart of God, and he's offering repentance here. Uh, I've asked the question. I've been asked the question. What do you think would have happened if Adam and Eve had repented right there? First time, first opportunity of repentance, God offers it to them. What would have happened? Well, let me answer that question with another question. What happened to you 
When you truly repented, and repentance and faith moved the heart of God with grace toward you and forgiveness, well, the same thing would have happened to Grandfather Adam and Grandmother Eve, no doubt about it. That would have happened, my friend. In Matthew chapter number 15, there's a situation described where the Syrophoenician woman comes and seeks the Lord Jesus on behalf of her daughter. She was not Jewish. She was a woman of Canaan. Verse 22 tells us she came out of the same coast and cried, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Have mercy on me. She's pleading for mercy, asking Jesus for mercy. And she's calling him the son of David. Now, she's not Jewish. She doesn't really have the right to call him the son of David. That was a Jewish title. Yet she is begging for mercy. He didn't answer a word in verse 23. Now, there's many who says, wow, that's, that is so strange. Jesus didn't immediately answer a word because here's the reason why. He's wanting her to understand repentance. And then she asks continually and asks and asks. She cries after us, verse 23 says of Matthew 15. But in verse 24, he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It's not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, Now look here. Here it is. She understands repentance. Truth, Lord. You're so right, Lord. I agree with you, Lord, 100%. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Yes, Lord, you are correct. You're right. I agree with you. And what does Jesus do? Well, verse 28, Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. He gave her a blank check. Whatever you want, sister, you can have. You've agreed with me. Truth, Lord. Repentance is agreeing with God about yourself. Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs. Lord, I have faith to believe that I can have a crumb from the table. And he commends her faith. You see, repentance and faith always moves the heart of God. And in this past Wednesday for the National Day and Gathering for Prayer and Repentance, many people, Speaker Mike Johnson and others, had prayer for a divided nation, prayer that God would truly forgive the sins of our nation. I think that's so important that we realize that. And really, our Jubilee this year, the spirit of Jubilee, is the spirit of restoration, repentance, reviving, refreshing. So I encourage you to be part of it. Well, Pastor Josh has a lot to say about that and many more good things. So give him your attention as he comes to speak to us now. Thank you, Pastor Brad. Yes, I will share a little bit more about Jubilee. I'm excited that it is here. And I do want to make people aware of something that was startling to me to find out. What startled me was the convergence of things that we saw within about a space of one hour at the World Economic Forum. And this is part of a blog that I wrote for Southwest Radio Ministries. So if you'd like to get a copy of this and maybe read it or print it or whatever you want to do with it, 
It's available at swrc.com. Click on Articles. A drop-down will come up and click on Prophecy in the News. And this article is titled, World Economic Forum 2024 Features Blessings from a Pagan Priestess. I'm going to be sharing the information in that blog with you on the program, so I hope that you'll stay tuned for the next few minutes. Let me do take just a second to invite you to our annual Jubilee. Pastor Brad was sharing so much information about that. I won't take the time to rehash all that information, but just want to encourage you to come and worship with us. Uh, the services will be live streamed, Lord willing, on various platforms and we encourage you to be a part of our annual Jubilee. Now, coming up March 8th and 9th, we're having a Prophecy in the News live event here at Antioch Baptist Church in Bristol, Virginia. That's all day Friday, all day Saturday. Doors will open at 8. The first session will begin around 9 a.m. We've got a great lineup of speakers. And uh, you can find more information about that on swrc.com. Go to the events page, click on the Tri-Cities event. You'll see the speaker schedule. You'll see who's coming, what they're going to be talking about. <clears throat> You'll see all the registration information. Now, registration for that is free, but it is requested. And so you can take care of that in advance through the website, swrc.com, or by calling the ministry at one 800 652 1144. Now, if you've got questions about our Jubilee or the Prophecy in the News live event, you can reach out to us here at Antioch. Our phone number is 276-669-4030. That's 276-669-4030. The church website is antiochbristol.com. You can find much more information about Jubilee, Prophecy in the News live there at antiochbristol.com as well as well as you can find ways to listen to this program, whether it be the 10-minute Monday through Friday program, this weekend 30-minute program, and our Sunday service videos, and on and on we could go. All that's at AntiochBristol.com. Now let me get to this story that I really wanted to share with you, how that the World Economic Forum in 2024 featured a blessing from a pagan priestess. And like I said, in the space of about one hour during the World Economic Forum, the push for a one world government, a one world economy, and one world worship converged on the stage. And I believe it's helping us to understand that the stage is being set for the fulfillment of the biblical end time scenario before our eyes. Why do I say that? Because Revelation 13 describes how the one world government, the one world economy will be used to control all of earth's people under the Antichrist global dictatorship. And according to Revelation 13, the one world system of worship will be the glue that binds it all together. And the worship that we see in Revelation 13 is satanic in its origin. It's pagan in its practice. And astonishingly, at the World Economic Forum, it painted a picture of that biblical end times future. The World Economic Forum met in Davos, Switzerland, January the 15th through the 19th this year. And paganism, again, took center stage during the Wednesday, January 17th Forum on Climate and Nature. It was right in the middle of the World Economic Forum, Monday through Friday, the middle day being Wednesday. 
And as that hour-long session came to a close, a pagan priestess was asked to perform a ritual for Earth's spiritual healing. And during this forum on climate change, the panelists proposed Marxist, communistic, socialistic solutions to serve Earth. Excuse me, to solve Earth's alleged climate climate crisis, as they emphasized the need for a global economy and a global government. And the messaging of all this is fueled by fear and driven by guilt. And that messaging was on full display during this forum as they called upon world leaders to significantly transform how they do business so that earth can be saved, in their opinion. They would say, quote, Our world is changing at an unprecedented rate. Extreme weather, pollution, drought, floods, disease. These are not just affecting earth, but our health, our well-being, our ability to survive. End quote. You see the guilt, you see the fear that's in this messaging. Now, this was from an opening video as they began the session. Then the managing director of the World Economic Forum, Gim Hui Neo, got up and opened the session by warning that earth is approaching a climate, quote, tipping point, end quote, which just is a reference to a point of no return. Here it is, the fear messaging again. She predicted that the world would soon experience unparalleled natural catastrophes unless drastic measures are taken. Now, wait just a second. What does the Bible say? Does it say something about earthquakes and uh, increase in natural catastrophes in the last days? Huh, isn't that interesting? Well, true to form, the panelists recommended Marxist solutions to solve the alleged climate crisis. Andre Hoffman, who's a Swiss billionaire, suggested that Earth needs to, quote, reconstruct the economy and system. He went on to say, quote, new technologies would allow us to distribute riches around the place and we must seize that opportunity, end quote. Adorned with his UN Agenda 2030 lapel pin on his suit coat, he expressed his pessimism about Earth's future unless drastic measures were taken to change the global economic structure. A one-world system of economy, of money, of finances, and a one-world government to bring it all together. And we see all of this coming together in one moment And mark it down, as the world approaches 2030, we're going to witness perhaps the strongest push towards global Marxism that the world has ever witnessed. Climate change, I believe, is the vehicle of choice to drive this message home and to propel people into surrendering their freedoms to save planet Earth. And as Andre Hoffman ended his statement, Neo introduced Chief Putani of the Yawanawa tribe, And this tribe is located in the Amazon region of northwest Brazil. And so before beginning her ritual, Chief Putani said through a translator, quote, The healing is within us, our spirituality. It's within an alliance and the union, unity of our thoughts, end quote. So she's talking about the fact that when we come together, when we unite our thoughts, when we unite our hands, we can provide spiritual healing for the earth. The power is within us, she says. The healing is within us. This is paganism. This is pantheism. 
that God is the world. She went on to say, looking at the panelists, we count on you. And then she looked back out over the crowd and said, all the people so that we may unite, hold hands and unite our hearts, unite our thoughts in the same direction for the healing of the planet. And the healing is spiritual, end quote. She closed her statement by saying that when our hearts and our thoughts are united, quote, our Mother Earth will listen to us, end quote. And so after she finished her statement, she performed this pagan ritual by rubbing her hands together and chanting. And after she finished that, after a couple minutes, she went one by one to the six panelists seated on the stage and blew across the top of their heads. And uh, my big question in all of this is, what spirits are the World Economic Forum invoking? Whose blessing are they really seeking? Did they invite evangelical Christian pastors to come and to pray on the stage? Certainly not. Whose blessing do they want? Do they want Almighty God? Certainly not. This satanic spirituality is going to be the hallmark of the biblical end-time scenario as it's detailed for us in Revelation chapter 13. Uh, what are some of the hallmarks? Well, I think it's going to emphasize spirituality over religion. In other words, people are going to be talking about how spiritual they are and how we can connect with their spiritual selves, but religion really is going to take a back seat as we see the end times scenario uh, developing before our eyes. And we're seeing statistics, we're seeing uh, things that bear this out to this very day. Not only that, but it'll also emphasize saving the planet over saving souls for eternity. You see, it's focused on the here and the now, not thinking about eternity, not talking about the afterlife or what's coming after we die. It's solely focused on the here and the now, and it's focused on uh, feelings over doctrine. Well, this is the way I feel, or this is why I worship the way that I worship is because I feel that it's right for me. It's this very feeling-centered kind of worship experience. And doctrine, teaching, beliefs, all of that's got to take a back seat. And it'll also emphasize human-centered worship over God-centered worship. In other words, it's a horizontal worship instead of a vertical worship. Whereas Christianity, we're called to be focused on God, not focused primarily horizontally, but focused primarily horizontal, excuse me, vertically upwards to God. And so followers of Jesus have to be aware of how our world is swiftly moving towards this biblical end times scenario. We've got to beware of the wider acceptance of demonic spirituality. We've got to beware of the global conditioning to push the world towards a one world government and a one world economy. We've got to stand courageously against the march towards Marxism. I believe this is the time for the church of a living God to shine the light of his eternal truth brightly into the darkness of this world. 
We can be a beacon of hope to those around us. Remember, it's God's kingdom that's coming. It's God's will that's being accomplished right here, right now. His plan is not thwarted. His plans do not have to develop. His plans do not have to change. His plans, His purposes are being fulfilled right now. His prophetic timeline is advancing according to His perfect plan for the ages. Let me leave you with this verse, Psalm 24, verse 1. It says, The earth is the Lord's. It doesn't say the earth is ours, or it belongs to Mother Earth, or it belongs to nature, or it belongs to chance and time and evolutionary processes. No, it says the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. Thank you for joining us today. We encourage you to visit our website at AntiochBristol.com. There you will find many ways to contact us and connect with us, and so much more. Until next time, stand firm in Jesus' truth.